every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent nature of the things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the fourth episode of the first season of the Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. I'm Eric Lebeter, your medium. Kayla is not here with us. She is enjoying Disney World, so she may come back with some spooky details about the history of Disney World. And with us again is Jordan Balterson. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Oh, of course. I mean, you spoke to me a lot about the Cecil Hotel, especially the stuff with Elisa Lamb. Um, before we get into that, I actually have a big announcement to make. A really big investigation is coming up for me. I will be filming uh, in about two weeks. So the PR manager of Dorney Park actually reached out to me because employees keep seeing and hearing things at night. Yes, apparently Dorney Park has a very long history, and ever since people have been seeing and hearing things. I recorded a little bit of our conversation. I'm going to play that for you right now. I'm Tana Corpix, the PR and communications manager for Dorney Park and Wild Water Kingdom. Over the course of the pandemic, our content has changed drastically. And for that reason, we were looking for more creative outlets on telling the story of the park and getting back into our, like the heritage of the park and what the park's about. Um, there are a lot of untold and unknown stories of the park, which we would like to explore. Um, so one of those things is, is there ghostly activity at the park? And, um, we're definitely open to exploring that side of the park. And the way that we found you was a basic Google search, um, because we don't have a go- a paranormal investigator inside our Rolodex. <laughs> I could uh, imagine, could imagine <laughs> you would. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we started just kind of going through, looking at reviews, looking at who people worked with, are they local, um, and your name popped up over and over again. Um, I have ties with the Sun Inn, so seeing that you work for them, um, and then also seeing some other places that I've been interested in knowing about, um, you know, you were one of our first calls. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, could you give a little snippet about what some people have seen? We'll save, the, we'll save the stories for the episode so people can, you know, yes. kind of listen to it then. But can you share what have employees seen throughout the park or heard? Yes. So the way that this idea was presented to me was there is an attraction within the park that has great music and um, great lighting. And in the middle of the night, sometimes you'll hear the music play and there's no one operating the ride and sometimes the lights will go on and there's no explanation. Um, Outside of this attraction, our park is technically over 150 years old, the property even older than that. Um, So there has been a lot change and over time, um, many families have lived here, many people have visited the park. Um, So there are buildings where people have seen apparitions. Um, There are noises that people have heard, um, eerie feelings. Um, so kind of like you name it and we've had it, mm-hmm. um, on the more positive ghostly side. 
Uh, so yeah, so I guess people have seen full-bodied apparitions mm -hmm. and all kinds of things like that. I mean, you said the park itself is, how old you say again? So the park was established as Dorney Park in 1884. So we're 137-year-old years old at this point. We're in our 138th operating season. Um, but the property was purchased by the Dorney family over 150 years ago. Um, and then there was a, a property owner before that as well. And there okay. were homes, there were barns, there were outhouses. There was a lot on this property. So there's no telling what could have happened here or what could have been here before that. I mean, there, who yes. knows, there could have been some kind of tragedy or there could have been just generations of families that have just, you know, passed yes. by here, passed away here, and we would have no way of knowing because yes, this that land is, is so old. That is very true. And there was, there was an area of the park um, where they felt there was more of a family presence at one time. Um, that is now gone and no one has had an experience since that attraction and area has been gone. Um, but yes, uh, I can tell that over time, over a century and, and now decades, um, a lot has happened at the park and we're, we're really excited to explore it. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to have you with on the investigation with me. Yes. <laughs> I know you're interested in this stuff yeah. and you can help me kind of navigate through the park. Okay. Um, as you know, I'm Bethlehem born and raised, so I've been at the park hundreds of times. So this is a awesome ex uh, opportunity for, for me because I've been here s since my childhood. Mm -hmm. So this is very exciting project to work on. Um, very excited to be doing this and I cannot wait to see and hear what we find in the park. Thank <laughs> yeah. you again. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And you know, it's the, the untold stories of the park and we're excited to find out a little bit more. All right, stay tuned everybody for uh, the new episode of Ghost Encounters that'll be featuring Dorney Park. So that was my uh, talk with the PR manager. It's really exciting that they actually found me via a Google search. Um, they saw my interviews with WFMZ from the investigations that I've done. And I'm really excited to do this investigation at Dorney Park. There's going to be a lot of ground to cover. Um, this is going to be a very lengthy investigation. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to be really, really cool. So that's just you and her going? You guys just together? Cause it's me, her, and I'm going to have one camera person with me to oh, operate okay. another camera. Um, but since she knows the full history of the park and she can get me in and out of any spot that I want to yeah. go into. Um, and she's she's very interested in this. She told me about some um, ghost encounters that she's had throughout her life. Um, oh, so cool. she's, yeah, she's kind of used to this kind of thing. So, yeah, I thought she would be a great person to have on there. So this episode of Ghost Encounters Podcast, we decided to talk about a very infamous and dark place, the Cecil Hotel, that has a reputation for violence, suicide, and murder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is exciting. This one is, is like, you know, obviously I think the notoriety came to from the Netflix series that came out. This Was it this year? Um, and so I think that really brought to light a lot of the, uh, um, the stuff that happened with Elisa Lamb. But also, I don't know if people really recognize what happened in the history of this hotel. Yeah, there's more than just her, and there's more than just, you know, a handful of deaths and murders. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Since the place opened till now, there have been a lot. Also, with the notoriety and the getting this place more famous because of online streaming platforms, but 
the season of Hotel of American Horror Story was loosely based off of the Cecil Hotel. Obviously, the right. name was changed and different things have happened there, but they took the idea of this suicide type hotel and, you know, right. turned a, a season of American Horror Story out of it. I know just in my little bit of research, you guys have such a wide array of research, but just in my little bit of research, it's almost unbelievable. Like when you look at the crazy stuff that happened there from the, you know, when it opened during the De- Great Depression to now, I mean, obviously it was closed in 2020, but you know, it's just like, can that really happen in one place? Like, you almost don't believe it, yeah. but it all was real. Yeah, there's, because of how many twisted, dark stories have happened here and how people were killed and killed themselves and how twisted it is and gross, it's like some people believe that this hotel is almost is a portal to some kind of dark place or has some kind of portal that lets in dark entities that makes people kill others or kill themselves i mean you be the judge after listening to this what you think but there's so many brutal deaths at this hotel that it's almost unbelievable yeah and and you can also if you do your own research and stuff there's there's video on this there's been documentaries before on this you know certainly the most famous is the netflix one that was just released because of elisa lamb and stuff but it's a cool um undertaking if you do some some digging and and realize what happened before we get into the gruesome deaths, why don't we talk a little bit about the Cecil Hotel. It's located at 640 South Main Street in Los Angeles, California. The Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by three hoteliers, William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, D-I-X, not D-I-C-K-X. Really? Or not. <laughs> and Robert H. Shops. They built it as a destination for uh, business travelers and tourists. Back then, this was a booming district. Uh, Within five years of it opening, the United States sank into the Great Depression. Although the hotel flourished as a fashionable destination throughout the 1940s, although the hotel flourished as a fashionable destination throughout the 1940s, the decades beyond saw the hotel decline as the nearby area known as Skid Row became increasingly populated with as many as 10,000 homeless people within a four-mile radius. Well, think about it this way. It's like... um... It's like opening a grand hotel right before COVID hits, right? Because right? you can't see. So, like, their their grand scheme was to have this gorgeous luxury hotel, and then all yeah. of a sudden you're hit with the Great <laughs> Depression, and then what happens? And it's just the area is flooded with homeless people that need a place to get out of the rain and the elements and whatever, and it's just that's the place to go. Yeah, so it just became with, flooded with homeless people, prostitutes, drug users, and Skid Row, which, if you ever heard of Skid Row, is now known as a place in California which you just don't go to. Right. You know? I mean, it was, when it was first built, it was a booming district. And, but after the Great Depression, everything just declined. Um, jumping forward in 2011, part of the Cecil Hotel was rebranded as Stay on Main. I think because the hotel has such a bad reputation with deaths and murders they kind of had to do something that sort of changed the name but not really to kind of get away from that so they rebranded as stay on main it only took them six decades to figure that out (laughs) we've had you know 60 years of murder we should probably call it something different uh and then in 2014 the hotel was sold to new york city hotelier richard bourne for 30 million dollars but shortly after in 2017 the hotel closed for renovation But the work was suspended indefinitely when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, 
So the hotel was affected by COVID-19. Um, someone had plans of restoring it, and it was shut down for restorations. But since COVID, they just they lost the money, and it just shut down indefinitely. Um, and then in February 2017, uh, the Los Angeles City Council voted and deemed the CISA Hotel as a historic cultural monument because it's a representation of early 20th century American style and architecture. And did you also read that fun fact about... Um the side, like the, they still have the Cecil Hotel sign up on the side, the right side of the building. Do they really? And yeah. if you look at it, it awkwardly has daily on the side because it used to say monthly rates. And they, they tried to get rid of monthly, but then they tried to hook on daily. So it looks really weird and awkward because they used to have people that would live there permanently and it wasn't like a hotel to certain people that could afford it. The new sign that went up was like a vinyl sign. For the, the, it's not like a fancy sign. No, it looked like yeah. they just smacked a sticker over top yeah. of the old ones. <laughs> like some vinyl banner. Well, that's a Cecil Hotel for you. This historic hotel was host to thousands of guests. However, many of them never left. So why don't we flip through the hotel's permanent guest book? Let's do it. Percy Osmond Cook stayed at the hotel in January 1927. On the evening of January 22nd, Cook shot himself in the head while inside his hotel room after failing to reunite with his wife and child. Percy Osmond Cook was the first life taken at the hotel. Next is W.K. Norton. In November 1931, Norton was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. What was he hiding? Or who was he running from? A year later in September 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dottich dead in his room from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. Two years after that, in July 1934, Sergeant Louis D. Borden was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Borden left several notes, one of which cited poor health as his reason for his suicide. The first fall, push, or jump from the building was in March 1937 by Grace Margro. Margro fell from a ninth-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or suicide, but her body was tangled in those wires when she jumped. The next fall was a year later, in January 1938, by Roy Thompson. Thompson jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. The last person to die in the 30s was Erwin Neblett. Neblett, a Navy officer, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Another poison death happened in January 1940. Teacher Dorothy Seeger ingested poison while staying at the hotel. The next death in September 1944 was the youngest death ever at the Cecil. Dorothy Jean Purcell was sharing a room at the hotel with her boyfriend, Ben Levine, who was a shoe salesman. Ben Levine was actually married at the time, and Purcell was the other woman. Apparently, Purcell was unaware that she was pregnant, and that night, she went into labor. Purcell knew Ben would be furious if he was woken up, 
and even more furious if he found out she gave birth to a baby. So she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. She didn't know what to do, but she knew she couldn't keep it. So she slowly walked to the window, baby in hand, opened the window up. She paused and then threw her newborn son out the window. I hate that one. I really hate that one. Because it just pisses me off. She could have just, like, left the baby. Because they had those, those like, college-style, like, bathrooms. Right, sure. They were at the yeah. down... Like, you really couldn't just leave the baby there to cry or something. Because she, she claimed it was not alive. But then they later found out that it died because she threw it off the damn Correct. building. right. She that had, just makes she me had so options. mad. Yeah, that just makes me so mad. I hate that story. But it gets worse. The baby landed on the roof of an adjacent building. The next day, she checked out with her boyfriend as if nothing happened. But Purcell was eventually charged with murder. They did link the baby back to her and her room. But psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. And in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So annoying. Sorry. She kills her newborn son by throwing him out a freaking window and gets off on insanity. Yep. The next death was in January 1947. However, this person did not stay at the hotel. 22-year-old Elizabeth Short moved to California in hopes to becoming a movie star. She went into the hotel's bar for a drink and had her last drink because she never left alive. She became known as the Black Dahlia. Her body was found naked and severed in half at the hips. Her body was drained of blood. The reports say that the murderer actually washed her body completely clean. Her face was slashed at the mouth from ear to ear. She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts and portions of her flesh were sliced away. But it gets even more gruesome because her intestines were tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. This is probably the first insanely gruesome murder at the hotel. She was found outside, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. She was found on, like, a grassy area where people thought that it was actually, like, a mannequin from a mall. Because the way she was posed. Yep. Mannequins are, like, broken at the hips. Like, you can can take mannequins apart. Right. So people just thought one just got thrown out, maybe of a car, whatever. Right. Until they went and investigated and looked at it and found out it was a person. She was laying there for ten hours with people just thinking she was a mannequin. Mm -hmm. So as far as we know, she came in for a drink met somebody probably or was abducted something happened right Right. from the time she had her drink to when she died did they do we know where she was killed if she was washed was it killed in the hotel or we don't know we don't so the reports say that she went into the hotel bar had a drink there's no report saying that she left and we have no idea who she talked to who she met what happened to her after that I just just wonder if the like you said the killer washed her body did it happen at the Cecil Hotel I mean, it was found right outside the Cecil, yeah. and for any, for anyone to wash her body, she would have had to the been taken right. to the Cecil. So I'm wondering if someone brought her up to the room. For that some could reason, have happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I but think I'm, I read something about her where they thought that it could have been like a doctor or somebody that like has like some sort of experience with autopsies, because in autopsies you drain their blood before or like right. post mortem you drain their blood Correct. for them. And maybe it was, like, somebody that had a funeral, like, home or whatever, was a funeral director, somebody that actually knew what they were doing with that process and how to keep her somewhat, like... Right. And because her body was washed and drained of blood, 
she had that like whitish look to her, yes. which made her look even more like a mannequin as yeah. well. But that's a really good theory that it was someone that owned something like that because yeah. her body was drained of blood. That's really I can't remember like the I know that they suspected somebody, but I'm not really sure the full story, but I know it was something along those lines. Right. That she was like taken somewhere, dealt with, and then they dumped her afterwards. But I'm assuming if you're transporting a body, it's got to be close by, so yeah. why, not, would, why would it not happen at the <clears throat> Cecil where people are right. murdered? Well, let's get back to the guest book. Because the next death is Robert Smith. Smith died in November 1947 after jumping from one of Cecil's seventh floor windows. The next death also came from the seventh floor. On October 22nd, 1954, Helen Gurney jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she checked into the hotel under the fake name Margaret Brown. The Margaret Brown that she was claiming to be was the unsinkable Margaret Brown. So what was she hiding? If she checked into a hotel under a false name, and it kind of sucks that she fell from a window. She didn't even hit the ground yet. She landed on the hotel's marquee, the little awning that's right above the door. Can you imagine that sound that made? It's also like our buddy Willie's that also was under a different name that came there, who they found later on was married, um, but was there under a different name by himself. Sorry. It seems like, you know, this hotel was built for traveling businessmen, but became a destination for people either hiding or running from something. Yeah. And became their last destination. Yeah. Let's jump ahead a little bit to February 11th, 1962, and one floor above. Julia Frances Moore jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. Six months later, October 12th, 1962, the hotel killed two people with one fall. Pauline Otten jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to Otten's suicide, but other stories say that he said he was sleeping during her suicide. Otten landed on a pedestrian, George Gianni, killing them both instantly. Take another term to killing two birds with one stone. The the season hotel is now doing two at once. And he was an older guy, right? He was he in his was. 70s. He was an older yeah. man. Yeah. Imagine I, that. Just yeah. walking down the street, minding your own business, yeah, you didn't all even, of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, like you didn't even know it hit you at that point. They, When police originally got there, they thought that he jumped with her, but they noticed that his shoes were still on and his hands were in his pocket. So there's no way he could have jumped. She landed on top of him. Interesting. That's sad. Another gruesome murder happened June 4th, 1964. Pigeon Goldie Osgood was well-known around the area and had earned her nickname because she fed birds in the nearby Pershing Square. A hotel worker discovered Osgood's body. She had been raped, stabbed, beaten, and her room was ransacked. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Hours after her murder, a man by the name of Ellinger was seen walking through Pershing Square in blood-stained clothing. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime. The murder remains unsolved. So this woman was brutally killed and raped in her own hotel room. No one heard or saw anything? Yeah. There's no way nobody heard her screaming. Right. I think it's important to note that 
you know, I think during the 60s and 70s and even up to when it just closed for renovation, that there, you know, Skid Row is a hotbed for drugs and alcohol. And I think that there's a lot of crime that has happened there. So, you know, anybody that worked to come with money or valuables would be a subject of, you know, not to say it's right, but I I think that there's a, a lot of stuff that can be explained by that too yeah um because there is you know the hundreds and hundreds of homeless people that live there it's just so sad that story is so sad about her because she just she was a nice lady you know, she just wanted to feed her birds it's sad every time i think about her i think of the little old lady from home alone me too <laughs> and it kills me to think of that old lady yes, like you know it's a very it's so it's sad oh my that's God. just so sad sorry Tangent. no it's a it's just sad to think. I, I, think, I thought of that too. It's just so sad just to think of that. Yeah, she, you know, probably was just ready to grab that like bird seed and go. Yeah. The next death was September first, nineteen ninety-two. The body of an African American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police said he had either fallen, jumped, or had been pushed from the hotel's fifteenth floor. The twenty to thirty-year-old male has never been identified. Did you know that the building was actually sued? Like the Cecil was sued. I heard by, something about that. Yeah, by the neighboring building. I don't know. I don't know what building it was, but well, they, because people were because jumping people off so were, much and yeah. falling in the parking lot. Yep, they were. People were dying on their lots right. that they sued the Cecil Hotel. That's crazy. That's uh, insane. Uh, mad, I could <laughs> imagine being the hotel owner and just having all these deaths in your hotel and people yeah. jumping. Yeah, it's And then people crazy. coming over and be like, here, you've been served. Right. You have to pay me because people keep dying at your hotel. There's, That's insane. There is something off with this hotel. Something seriously off with yeah. this hotel. This next death is probably the most strange and has the most mystery behind it. In February 2013, Elisa Lam, an Asian-Canadian student, was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof. How long was she in there for? Well, she was missing for 19 days. So she went missing January 31st. She was found February 19th. So she could have been in that tank for 19 days. Yeah. Guests were drinking and bathing in water that contained a decomposing body. People did complain about like the taste of the water, that it was off. Right. Can you imagine being in a hotel Drinking and bathing in the water and find, and realizing that a body, a dead body, was floating in the water supply. Well, that's how they discovered her because I think initially when her parents went to file a missing persons report, they looked, they searched the hotels and they got certain clearances to look in certain rooms and certain areas, but not the entire hotel. Interesting. And so there was um, patrons of the hotel like turning on the water and black water was coming out of the faucets and then there was this like pungent taste and so they sent a maintenance man up to the water tanks just to check it out and that's of course when she was truly discovered to be dead in the tank right but that's not the biggest mystery of this I mean deaths happened in this hotel for decades but her body was naked in the water tank that you have to climb a ladder to get up, and there's a heavy metal hatch that you have to open up to get in. Ten feet tall. It's ten feet high, this water tank. So she had to climb ten feet take into her, the water tank. If this was a suicide, she'd have to climb up a ladder on a ten-foot tank, and open a heavy metal hatch, yeah, take her clothes off, throw her clothes in, jump into the tank while also closing the metal hatch. 
Hmm. That sounds a little goofy right off the bat. Really <laughs> but it gets stranger. There is video surveillance footage taken inside an elevator shortly before her disappearance. It showed her acting strangely, pressing multiple elevator buttons, hiding in the corner of the elevator, waving her arms wildly, and this caused widespread speculation about the cause of her death. After the elevator video was released, many theories arose about her death. She was reported to have had a bad bipolar disorder for which she was prescribed various medications, which could have contributed to her death as well as her strange behavior in the elevator. Jordan has a crack in the drink. <laughs> well, they did report that it seemed like she was trying to wean herself off of it. Like, right. in the reports, the autopsy reports and stuff like that. It's still in her system, right. but it's not at the dosage that she was supposed to be at. But so, now, wouldn't, after 19 days of not taking medication, wouldn't exactly. the dosage be a lot less that's in her system? Yeah, and they also said that there was, like, a small, tiny trace of alcohol in her system. Right, but not enough that to... They were, yeah, they were trying to say that, like, the alcohol... because she was on... The medicine that it could have made her had alcohol. a bad reaction yeah. with medication, but there's only a, a slight bit of alcohol in her system. Yeah, doesn't seem like enough to. But make it, it didn't show rape or foul play or struggle either. Right, nothing Which on her was, body that was like a, a forced or black right. and blues or anything that was right or or fingernail scratches. Right, or, exactly. you know, like anything. I'm no expert, but like if you're floating around in a water tank, is that evidence going to disappear? Like, it's not salt water and everything, it's just regular water, but... Water will contaminate evidence, but not to the full extent. People have been found in rivers and all kinds of stuff. Right. Like, in okay. unclean water and still have found evidence. And if you were scratched or bruised or something, I imagine that those things would stay with yeah, you. Or if yeah. you scratch someone else, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. DNA would still be underneath Yeah, yeah, or absolutely. Or in your clothing somehow. They would, do, you know, the DNA captures i think so my they can get the littlest bit out right. of certain things so i don't think that would affect it too I mean, much even okay. if this was a suicide she would have had to have good skill to jump in a you know She's climb up a ladder jump in a 10-foot tank close the hatch as you're going in but not only that but you'd have to have serious determination to kill yourself to be in a tank to drown yourself they also said that it could have been because she wasn't on um the meds that it was like a manic episode mm-hmm. where it could have been her going up and being like, let's stand on this tower and take pictures or, you know, something like that. And then it could have also went to the opposite end of being manic, which is depressed and I want to kill myself, blah, blah, blah. And that's why she went in. Right. It's not like the water tank is filled to the brim and it's pouring out as soon as you open the hatch. There's probably at least a foot of just emptiness in that tank, Mm -hmm. which means you have to determine yourself to go underneath the water to drown yourself. Could it be easy. plausible that she could have killed herself or jumped in and some maintenance person could have just saw the hatch open and closed it and not even looked in? Because that's why would you look in? Just, oh, the hatch Could have open. been, but from the sounds of it, it sounds like maintenance didn't really go up there that much. Because mm-hmm. if the water was funky for a while and people did say things, they still didn't go up there after so many days. Yeah. It seems like maintenance not really concerned with the water tanks up there yeah i think of our skeptics out there that are you know looking at it too is you know i worked in mental health for about 15 years and and people who are manic who are bipolar who are on both the opposite sides of the spectrum like jordan was saying like you're either in a really depressed state where you know suicide is could be an option for you or you are in a really manic state where you feel like a superhuman and you can do anything the world, you know. And so 
she could have been in either of those and just taken her own life. And the other thing is, if you're on medication for, for bipolar disorder, even the tiniest bit of alcohol can cause your body to go into, like, do, do crazy things. I mean, it's like a beer for us would be nothing, but for a beer for somebody who's on bipolar medication could be, like, ten. Right. And she did, she actually stayed in two separate rooms because she had roommates in one of the rooms. And they said they kicked her out because she was acting strange. Right. So then she got a room by herself. So perhaps the isolation also caused, because she was by herself now, caused her to go a little strange. But, I mean, she's a college student. I find it hard to believe that she has never had a drink on her medication before. I find it hard to believe that a, a drink would have caused all of this. I know that can happen on medication, but she's a college student. I find it hard to believe that she's never done this before. But also keep in mind, too, Justin, that culturally i think that maybe she didn't i mean if you read any of her blog posts that were from the previous you know before she left for california um she talked about not using drugs that she's not a drug user she's not a drinker um and she had been blogging for a really long time and i think a lot of times in asian culture the idea that you can't do that stuff because you have to excel and be the best um is you know but also, there's this whole suicide culture in um, Asian cultures that if you don't succeed or you're not doing well, that a lot of people take their lives. Yeah. You know, like you can't, if you don't pass the bar, you don't get to a certain level. So there's, a, I think it's just interesting how that all kind of comes to play. Right. So thinking, of, thinking on wide scale, there could be a plausible cause. However, the video surveillance footage of her is more odd, not just because of her behavior, but because of things that happen in the video that... It, regular people might not notice. Were they there with a like a teacher? Like were they there with a, like a she was grown adult? She, she was, was just... by herself. I think she okay. was sharing a room to cut the split cost. Oh, okay. Cuz I was like yeah. if she's going to like go be by herself like wouldn't a grown or like, I think she was, it was, it was it, I think it was probably like a but there's probably options for like hostel type where you right. share a room with multiple people to cover the cost. Yeah, then, yeah. Because you know, I just thought, like, like they if they were doing like a trip, like as like no, a college it's just thing. her by herself. Which okay. is also weird because because I don't know anything about that. I myself, like, I can do a trip by myself, but like, I might go to another city, maybe another state. But would you go to a completely another country by yourself if you were going to? That was my stomach. If you, oh, it's, <laughs> it's short in this time. It's short in this time. <laughs> Uh, don't you find it weird that even her parents let her go off on her own to another country? It's not like you're going to another state. It's not like you're like you're going to another country, all the way on the other side of the coast. Like, what are you doing by yourself? Again, I think you know you have to look at somebody's culture. You have to look at somebody's age. You have to look at somebody's history. Like, are they a good student, a good person? You trust them, and was she going just to experience a life in a different state? And, you know, her parents, like, I know at that time, if I was like, I'm going to California, my parents would be like, okay. See, she's, she's 20, she was 21. So in, I don't know where she was from. Like, I don't know if she was Chinese, like if her parents were from China or yeah, like Japan where, or Korea. Where, um, what ethnicity of Asian she was. But. but I'm just saying like adulthood in China, as an example, is 15. So her parents were probably like, you know... If you want to go live your life, go live your life. Like, just be, you know, you're an adult, you know? Just, like, that could have been something. It's very different with Asian culture. They're very, very, like, once right. you're grown, you're grown, you're gone. 
you know, right. do your so, thing. I think it's like the skeptic side of us sees that, but I will agree with you. Like, I think if you have not seen the footage, you must live on a different planet, I think, first of all. I, I, I think everyone else should do this, too. Take a pause. Look up Lisa Lamb's elevator footage. We're going to watch it together. You should put the link in your thing. I'll put the link in it. Yeah. It's very odd. And the thing that I'm going to point out from this is that the elevator doors don't close. I broke that. See that? Do you see those little... So, Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures actually went to investigate the Cesar Hotel. And he tried to reenact what Elisa Lamb did. And you can see the elevator door constantly closing on him. But in the, in the video footage, her door never closes. And his hand is up on it to, to stop it. She she's not even near it. Yeah. Like she is back so, in the corner. At let's some take point. A, let's take a little pause. Uh, I suggest you guys pause. Go watch the video, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Ghost Encounters podcast is sponsored by the Eric Ledbetter team with Iron Valley Real Estate. Contact the Eric Ledbetter team for all your real estate needs. Visit theericledbetterteam.com. Also sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your competition with expert marketing, photography, and video production. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If you are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ghost Encounters PA. That's at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Hopefully you guys took a pause and watched the video. Um, we're going to kind of narrate as we watch it together. So here we go. So the elevator door opens. Now she walks in. Her arm is already up. I'm going to pause it. Her arm is already... Her arm comes up as she already knows what she is going to do. Yeah. If you look closely, right? People think she presses all the buttons. But if you look closely... I was one of them. She just, yeah. pre- she just presses... All the center buttons from top to bottom. There she goes. She presses all of them. And, and she that stands door up. Is still open. And she stands back. Door still open. Now the door is still open. How She's many, waiting to leave. How many elevators have you been on? A lot. <laughs> and you know that the elevator door closes after only so many seconds. So it's still it's still open. Now she's just standing there waiting. Then she looks out. And she's looking out in a way of, like, not like a normal lookout. She's, yeah, like, she jumping like out, looking. Pierce her head and yeah. turns it real quick. Then, now she's standing back in the corner of the elevator as if she's hiding. scared or hiding. And you can still see the center column buttons lit up. But the door is still not closing. She, she peers out again. She's looking down the hallway. A little bit more scared this time. Yeah, not as crazy as she was last time. Definitely a bit scared. Like looking at her now body language, it just... out a bit. Looking, oh, now she's fully out. Now she jumps out, of, and she's totally out of the elevator, and she's yeah. stepping back in. Now she's stepping back in. It almost and looks like again. she's either unsure or scared. Some people speculate that she's trying to avoid the camera in the elevator, but then she comes no back way. in frame a little bit. But the door is still not closing. She's not holding it open. There's no one there to hold it open, and the door's still not closing. She's still just outside the elevator. You can see her uh, clothes kind of hanging in the corner there. And she kind of peers back in more. This her, is the her, worst her, part. Her, and her hands are up as a, a little manic. Then she comes back in and presses all the buttons. It's almost as if she's desperate to get the elevator going. Like almost. it's not moving. Right. Now she's pressing all the buttons. 
and she's still pressing buttons. Elevator door is still not closing. And there are only the middle buttons. Then she walks out again. No, now she pressed all the buttons. All the buttons, okay. Yeah. And she steps out again. Oh, I hate this part. Now she's doing weird things with her hands. Either she's almost touching someone or talking to someone, but her hands are moving in a very strange... It's almost like she's petting a, an invisible animal or something like that. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but what is she and doing now, here? Now, and when she starts twisting her fingers... So I'm going to pause. I, Jordan's uh, fiancé uh, knows sign language very well. Mm. Um, so I asked her to show him this, because I, I, my speculation was, is she signing? Mm. But he said no. So That's she's a good kinda, theory. It yeah. almost looks like she's counting, like Jordan said, yeah. it almost like she's counting on like her fingers or something, grabbing mm. her fingers. It's very strange. But they bend back so far. I, I mean, you've got to be really double-jointed to do that kind of stuff. But the elevator door is still not closing. It's yeah. so strange. She's out of the elevator. Why the hell is it not closed? Now she steps out of frame. Still open. Still open. It's open. Which, this like, is the strangest part. Be, there's yeah. nothing there at all. Nothing there at all. It's still open. And then there's a jump. So she never comes back. That was the last you see of her. But the elevator door is still open. And then there's going to be a jump in the video where you see the door. Like, you don't see the door start to close. You see it already closing. So there's a couple seconds of this video footage that's missed. Right there it was. So the video jumps, like, almost partially through the elevator door closing. So there's a couple seconds and this missing. Was, this was from released this video. by the police. Like, yes. the police released this because at that time they didn't know who she was. And then when this elevator door closes, it starts going to floors and it starts opening and closing as normal, as mm-hmm. it should. Yeah. But for a very long time, the elevator doors were kept open. So there's actually some rumors that her death was a result of someone who worked at the hotel and had the elevator stopped. I just found it very weird in the beginning of the video how she gets into the elevator, her arm goes up right away as if she already knows what she's doing, yeah. and she presses all the center buttons. Well, did you read about the, like, most ridiculous theory about why she was killed? Like, with the whole, like, invisibility cloak? I heard that. Some people that think is, that she... That is so... Oh, like, how she was leaning <laughs> over the person, because they're in the invisibility cloak, and, and that be- all... That's how they're keeping the door open, because yeah, they're invisible. because they're invisible, and, like, that's, that's little... the most ridiculous theory so far Well, and I've you and I read. were just talking during the last break about... There's the game in Korea called the yeah. Elevator Game. The Korean Elevator. Is yeah. she Korean? I, I don't I know, but she, it's... I think she might But it's be. also a game in Japan. Right. It's, it's okay. a, a, a... So I'm sure it's probably so a thing in Asian countries. you press buttons in a certain order, and if and you go in the elevator, it's supposed to open up a portal to another dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right? it, like apparently there's also like a woman that's supposed to come she onto comes, the elevator, right, and you're not you. supposed to look at her. Or talk to her. Yeah, and all that stuff. But because it, if you do look at her, you'll go to the other dimension. But it does kind of seem like... Crazy. One time she steps out of the elevator, it does seem like she's talking to someone or almost It definitely someone. does. It definitely does. Well, you they know? reference in the Netflix um, documentary that if you look close enough, you can almost see a, a, somebody's foot in that video. It, it, and well, it's the part it, where she steps out at the end and her feet are... You haven't seen this? No, I remember you saying this yeah. the last time. Yeah. And it's in the and I the only research I've done is the Netflix video of this particular. How part. do we know it's not her foot? It, you don't know, but you can. There are people that say it, it's impossible that you could see her feet, and there's an, a person almost standing behind her, out of frame of the camera, and you see 
his or her her foot in the camera, and you it does look like there's somebody there for a brief second, but it's interesting. There, there's yeah. so many different theories. I have to rewatch this and rewatch this and look really yeah. closely. You know, I wish it was in better quality, but because you're not looking anywhere else but her, right? So you're not paying attention to en- the fact that somebody could right. be putting so their hand knows? up. So I mean, for, for those of you listening, why don't you take a look at the video? Look in other areas that you wouldn't normally look at. I mean, think about like I don't want to say it, but like a magician, like. He shows he he shows you something in his hand, but his distraction is somewhere right, else. Right. So take a look, see t- see if you find anything or see anything, and email us, send us a message, and let us know. We'd love to hear what you have to see. Right. And no other videos of Lisa. There are no, no other videos it. of no. Lisa. There's no other footage. There there does seem to be some sort of altering of this video or right. something because there's a couple seconds missing. Yeah. There's a chunk missed out. You know, um, out of it. So it's almost you know there could be speculation that somebody at the hotel was involved in it and they yes, knew how to the, cut the yeah. video. That somebody, especially her getting up to the water tank. Right, so be- How the, the, hotel knew, the hotel knew about all these jumps, so they actually had the door to the roof locked and with an alarm. She got up there with ease. Yeah. Yeah. So this actually brings us to a different conspiracy because her name is oddly connected to... The tuberculosis outbreak that happened only days after finding her death. So people believe that she was involved in some kind of government conspiracy to spread tuberculosis in Skid Row. Jordan, can you talk a little bit? Because you were telling me about this. Yeah. Well, do you know how tuberculosis can be spread? How? Um, Contaminated water. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that that was like unclean water spreads TB. So I thought that that was really interesting just because she was found in a water tank. How many days after her death did the TB outbreak happen? Uh, I want to say it was a couple days. I know that there's things that talk about it, it being like weeks. I read that it was like the 22nd, which is like a couple days after um, she was found. It's odd because TB is a very old disease that has been eradicated with vaccines. Yeah, and this was in 2013. 2013. And it wiped out Skid Row. Like, it took out a lot. Like, a lot of people died. So people speculate that she was involved in this. Um, The main reason is because of her name. But people think that the government was involved to kind of wipe out the homelessness and drug users that were in Skid Row. But what does her name have to do with it? So the test is called Alamaliza, which is spelled exactly like her name. So the test for TB is her exact name just flipped. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's so spelled it's, the same exact way. Yeah. What, what first does name it stand for? Yeah. Yeah. Lipoarabinominum. You say it. You say it. You said it really well. I don't know if it's the right way to say that's it. That's the way you say it. Lipoarabinominum. Yeah. Lipoarabinominum. And then that stands for the lamb, and then enzyme, whatever the hell is next. Enzyme, is it? I don't know your brain. Oh, shit, let me say Sorry. it. Enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. So, so her, that's Eliza. So her, her name is Elisa Lamb, E-L-I-S-A-L-A-M, and the test is L-A-M-E-L-I-S-A. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just too, pronounced differently. It's too huge of a coincidence. Don't you think? Right. Especially when it's connected to the same, the disease that is caused by bad water, and that's where she yeah. was found. That's like when I read that, I was like, I got to text Justin. This is too much of a coincidence. <laughs> like, I, I know you skeptics out I know you skeptics out there will think it's just coincidence, but isn't that too huge of a coincidence? Like, that's I mean, insane. I work in healthcare, and we do have a skin test for TB and everything like that. This is another way of testing, and you can't deny that, me being in science. Right. You just can't look at that and think that they're 
there's something else other than like you can't think that that is just normal. That's not normal. So you guys judge for yourself. Was her death a suicide? Was it a murder? Is it linked to a government conspiracy to cause a TB outbreak to people in Skid Row? But tuberculosis was not found in her autopsy report. Yeah. But it's just it's too much of a coincidence for everything. But as we know, autopsy reports can be uh, incorrect, tarnished, God, as it is. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You can read up on other like. Autopsies, most of the time, should be for public knowledge. I mean, the cause of her death was scribbled out twice. They put down murder, then they put down suicide. Yep. Put, and it took them four you know, months and a bunch of delays to come to that term which of is accidental. very strange. Mm-hmm. I, I want to add, though, real quick, to the... Um, when you're watching the Netflix documentary, the, yeah. the manager of the hotel does state that between 2007 and 17, there were 80 deaths. Oh, shit. Like, she says it on camera. Like, there are 80 deaths between 7 and 17. So, if you think there's just the 16 or 18 deaths, I mean, clearly. And I'm sure a lot of them weren't as crazy as Elisa's or some of these other ones. But, you know, it's definitely... And you know what? You you think of hotels and you know that people go there to kill themselves. Like, we... Like... We know this. We know people go to hotels to die. Or to do drugs or God knows what there. But this... But this is just absurd. Like, this is something way out of the norm. Like, you don't think of a hotel and think this much death. Like, there's more death here than happiness. People don't <laughs> vacation there. Yeah. People don't go to the Cecil to vacation. No. They go there to die. That's why it's nicknamed the Suicide Hotel. I'm still waiting to go there. I think we should go there when it opens up. Well, it's closed right now. It is on, like, hotelsandbookings.com, but you can't book anything. You can't rent anything. I want to um, go. I don't know what the current owners are doing with it. I don't know if they went bankrupt or what's going on. But if it does ever open up again, I think we should take a trip out I there. know that when yeah, we said that we were going to talk about this episode and I got really excited, I know you were like, you're not going there. Like, <laughs> you can't go because women die there. Women die there. Yeah, a lot of women have died there. But there's just something about the Cecil Hotel to me that is just so unique and so fascinating. Right. It's just like, I have to go. Maybe if I go with a bunch of men, I'll be safe. <laughs> or just go, like, if we all go together and, like, handcuff each other. Yeah. No, you can't let me up. leave. <laughs> like, you can't let me go yeah. by myself. Yeah. <laughs> if it opens up, maybe we can do a full-length episode of uh, Ghost Encounter Show. That's yes. Very cool. cool. That's all the time we have for you today. Uh, listen up next time. Stay spooky. Stay curious. Stay magical. Stay magical.